0: Good morning. Uh, Welcome uh, to those of you who are joining us down at our Minnetonka campus over at the chapel and of course online as well. Uh, Great to be with you all as we are uh, finishing up the Advent season uh, and looking forward to Christmas. I do just want to reiterate uh, that this is an amazing opportunity to fulfill Our mission here at Calvary of leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus by inviting someone to one of our Christmas services. We can echo uh, the message that the angels gave to the shepherds uh, when they said, we bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. Uh, We want to be missional and people are surprisingly open to an invitation to church around the holidays. So uh, let's take advantage of that uh, and challenge ourselves, myself included, uh, to think about, hey, who's you know a neighbor, a friend, a coworker, a family member that maybe we could uh, invite uh, to experience uh, the love of God and the, the joy of the message of the gospel this Christmas. Uh, we are wrapping up our series uh, this morning. Uh, we've been calling it the Ghosts of Christmas Past because the reality is we do believe Christmas is a time of great joy, but there are also many things in our lives that are less than joyful. Uh, lots of difficulties, struggles, a lot of pain, a lot of grief. You know, part of our growing relationship with Jesus, the, this process of following Him, is allowing God to be at work in those difficult places in our lives, in the pain, in the hurt, in the grief. And that's what we've been focusing on this series. Uh, We've talked about uh, overcoming hurts, things that people have done to us that have been wrong, unjust, harmful, uh, maybe even traumatizing. Hey, how how is God gonna bring healing there? We've talked about releasing shame, uh, overcoming the the shame that we've all experienced from things that we've done, uh, choices that we've made that have hurt ourselves or other people. And then last week, uh, Pastor Zach talked about letting go of labels, uh, just this reality that through life, through good experiences and bad, we believe certain things about ourselves, uh, some of which can be really harmful. And how do we believe what God says about, about us and his redemptive purpose in our lives as opposed to those lies. Now, none of these things, right, we want to experience in our lives. We don't want shame or guilt or to struggle with our self-worth because of different labels that we've received in our lives. I mean, especially over this holiday season, uh, we want it to be perfect, right? Joyful, loving, hopeful, a time of sweet connection with our families. You know, I think of that Classic Christmas carol, White Christmas, and there's a line. And it's, may your days be shameful and sad. No, merry and bright. That's what we want. We want it to be perfect. We want Christmas to be lovely and charming. But sometimes it isn't. See, here's the problem. Sometimes we want it to be so perfect full of only positive emotions, that we tend to ignore the real problems and issues that we have going on in our lives. You know, instead of just stuffing our stockings, we end up stuffing our feelings. Am I the only one? You know, maybe for you, that means that you are purposefully ignoring the built-up tension in your marriage over the next couple weeks, or tension with someone else in your family because you just want to get through this holiday season. You just want to make it through. Maybe for, for some of you, you're willing to break the bank because you don't want to talk to your kids about the fact that things are financially difficult. Maybe you're grieving the loss of a loved one this Christmas and you don't want to focus on it. You want to ignore it because you're worried that the grief will take away all the joy. Now, what I'd like to suggest this morning is that when we do that, when we ignore our problems, when we stuff our feelings, when we turn a blind eye to the difficult things in life, we're actually missing out on the true meaning of Christmas. Because at Christmas, what we're celebrating is that God doesn't ignore our problems, that God looks on the brokenness of the world and the despair and hurt and pain and grief. And he doesn't turn away. He does something about it. This is what John says in his gospel. He says, in the beginning, the word already existed. The word is just Jesus. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. See, Christmas is remembering and celebrating the fact that God addressed the brokenness, that he came to be the light in the darkness. And so when you and I, when we ignore our problems, when we don't want to deal with the the difficulty and pain and suffering, that we're actually rejecting the true meaning of Christmas. Here's my question. Why do we do that? Why, Why do we ignore it? Why do we just... Want to pretend that everything is merry and bright and joyful? Why don't we deal with the shame or the guilt or the labels like we've been talking about in this series? Now, I think in large part, it's just because we're afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid that these things are too big. That they'll destroy us, that they'll harm our relationships. We're afraid to face the darkness because we actually think it will extinguish the light. And this goes way beyond Christmas time. I think maybe it's accentuated during the holidays, but this sort of way of living is, is just far too common. We don't want to think about the ways we've been hurt. It's painful. We don't want to come face to face with the things that we've done wrong, the things that we're ashamed about. We don't want to acknowledge the ways that labels and beliefs that we have about ourselves affect our self-worth. Fear prevents us from dealing with the ghosts of Christmas past. Fear convinces us that those problems are too big, that our secrets are too big or too destructive. And so this morning, what I want to talk about is how do we overcome that fear? How can we be set free from that fear so we can actually do what God does and did in sending Jesus where he addressed that pain and that hurt? Because despite our fear, the truth is that whatever brokenness we might be facing, that the darkness cannot extinguish the light. That's that promise in John chapter 1. I mean, ask any therapist. Healing cannot come by ignoring our pain. Ask any physical trainer. Growth, strengthening your body doesn't happen unless you focus on areas of weakness. God transforms us when we allow him to to face our fears with him. And as followers of Jesus who want to proclaim the good news about Jesus and that Christmas is all about, we can't afford to let our fear cause us to ignore the darkness in our lives. Because it's in the darkness that God's light is shining. And so the challenge that I want to bring to, to all of us is that even just over the next couple of weeks, that we would determine not to ignore the pain and the brokenness and the darkness. That we would take some steps to find freedom from fear and then we would partner with what God is up to in those areas. And in doing so, I think that we can learn and experience the true meaning of Christmas. God not ignoring, but focusing on the the pain points in our lives, the suffering, the hurt, where he enters into our darkness and he brings comfort and love and healing in the process. And there's a part of the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke that I want us to focus on today because I think that in it, it provides a few insights, uh, a few steps uh, that we can take in order to find freedom from fear. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them, or if you want to take out your phones and open up a a Bible app. Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you confused and disturbed Mary tried to think what the angel could mean don't be afraid Mary the angel told her for you have found favor with God now I think what we get from this passage depends entirely upon how we read these three words the tone of voice that we read them it could be commanding don't be afraid just don't stop it you have a little faith don't be afraid don't do it Or maybe it's condescending. Don't be afraid, you wimp. Okay, I don't think either of those are are accurate. We should read this as empathetic, as reassuring. Don't be afraid. I think God, through the angel, is acknowledging Mary's fear. He's empathizing with her and comforting her in the process. And I think this gives us an insight into finding freedom from fear ourselves, and it's this. We need to acknowledge our fear. My kids uh, enjoy watching an animated movie called Big Hero 6, anyone seen it? Uh, Our two-year-old, almost three-year-old, in particular, really enjoys watching it. But she always talks about the masked man, which is the villain in the story. And so we'll ask her, you know, are you scared? Are you afraid? She goes, nope, I'm not scared. I'm not afraid. But whenever the the masked man shows up on the screen, this is how she watches. (laughs) This is what's astounding, is that even at two years old, somehow, our daughter Malia has decided it's better to ignore her feelings of fear. For some reason, she's decided it's negative to admit that she's afraid. But the fear is there. It's obvious. And I think that this rejection of fear and other feelings is very common in Christian communities. Personally, I'm an expert at it. I have a spiritual gift of stuffing my feelings My wife just said, amen, for those of you who didn't hear it. Because as Christians, we're supposed to be hopeful, loving, joyful, cheery, like a Hallmark Christmas movie, right? And we think that if if we admit that we're insecure, anxious, depressed, afraid, that we're revealing somehow a weakness or even a lack of faith. And then we put on that facade and we go right back into ignoring our problems, stuffing things deep down and not dealing with the ghosts of Christmas past like God wants us to do. Fear ultimately prevents us from dealing with difficulties. And so If we're going to find freedom from fear, the first thing we have to do is just acknowledge that, hey, we're afraid. We're afraid. For Mary, she is likely afraid of what this encounter might mean for her future. I mean, there's a lot of uncertainty she's facing. I mean, what would being pregnant outside of wedlock, outside of being married, do for her social status in society? I mean, what's going to happen to her betrothal to Joseph? And and we learn later on that this was a serious consideration about whether or not Joseph should continue to to go on getting married to Mary. I mean, all of her security and her comfort, her whole plans for her entire life are put at risk. Let alone the fact that there's this crazy-looking spiritual being talking to her. I mean, she has a lot of reasons to be afraid. What are you afraid of? What, what ghosts don't you want to deal with because you're afraid of what might happen if you do? Are you afraid that people will reject you if they know what's going on? Are you afraid that the pain is just too much for you to handle if you face it and acknowledge it? Are you afraid that if you bring up your grief or your pain, that it will extinguish the light and just eradicate all the joy whatever it is that the first step to find freedom from fear is just to acknowledge that it's there don't turn from it don't ignore it and I believe that God's loving tender compassionate reassurance will be given to you and me just like it was given to Mary don't be afraid it's okay don't be afraid I think that's the first step we need to take. Let's keep reading in Luke. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen since I am a virgin? The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. The second step that we need to take in order to find freedom from fear is to seek God. To seek God. Um, I face a very serious dilemma every Christmas. How can I fit? all the food on my plate at once. <laughs> There's so many delicious things out there. Uh, you know, do I, do I take the green salad if it means I don't have room for the fruit salad? But I, do I really want the fruit salad because if I put it too close to the potatoes and gravy, then the gravy gets in the... Fr- and that, nobody wants gravy in their fruit salad. And if I put way too much on my plate, is that going to like ruin my experience of dessert? I mean, does anyone else face this dilemma? I mean, I face this dilemma. It's a serious problem. And the reality is that I can't fit it all on my plate at once. And so I need to decide. I have to make choices. And I think that this is true also when we are facing difficult, painful things in our lives. There's plenty of ways we could move forward. There's plenty of good options out there. I mean, if you just... Go on Google and you search for like how to fix your marriage, how to reconcile with an estranged kid, how to parent a teenager, for goodness sake. You're going to get tons and tons of advice. Just go and ask, you know, five friends and a few family members about how to discipline your kids. You're going to get a lot of different opinions, right? And many of them are actually really good, a lot of good options, a lot of different ways forward. But here's the thing, not every good option is God's option right now. Not every good option is God's option right now. And so when you have a whole buffet table loaded with options, we need to make some choices because we can't do everything. We can't fix every problem. We can't do everything to address every issue in our lives or our family's lives. We have to, to figure out what is God's option for me right now. And so we have to be like Mary, that when we are afraid, when we're facing uncertainty, when we're learning to deal with our problems rather than ignoring them, we need to seek God and we need to come to him and say, God, what, what are you up to? What, how are you wanting me to handle this? We have to go through this discernment process where we seek after God's will we have to learn to listen. We have to learn to figure out what God's option is, not just what a good option is. And I think that we all can do this a little bit differently, but I, I think that for all of us, it needs to involve two things, this discernment process of deciding what to do. It needs to involve prayer, right? We, we have to spend time with God, because again, we can't just do, do everything. Uh, we need to spend time in prayer, and, and it should involve other people people that we can trust, people that are safe, people who can offer us godly wisdom and help us sort through, hey, what, what do you think would be the great next step for me regarding what's going on in my life? So how do we find freedom from fear? We, we acknowledge it, and then we seek God about it. God, what are you wanting to do? And then uh, our last step is just to surrender, to surrender to his will. Let's finish our passage. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month, for the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Isn't that an amazing posture? I think we should all want to emulate that. When we feel like God has given us direction, when he said, hey, this is the next step I want you to take in this area of our life. Maybe God, I am your servant. May it be as you've said, not my will, but your will be done. This is is really where we turn that corner from ignoring our problems, from turning a blind eye to our, our pain or dysfunction in our lives, and where we embrace the true meaning of Christmas, where we face the darkness with God so that we can see how his light is shining in it. Again, Maybe you have built up tension with someone that you're gonna see the next couple of weeks. Maybe it's your spouse, relative, one of your kids. I don't know, but you're, you're afraid. You're afraid and nervous about what spending time together over the holidays is going to look like what's the conflict going to be what's the tension maybe your your teenager is going to be home for all of break and they just want to hole up in their room the whole time and you don't know what to do about it maybe you and your spouse are on the the verge of divorce and you've been preparing yourself just to put on that happy cheery face to get through the holidays. Or again, maybe this is your first Christmas without a loved one and you haven't really wanted to address it or grieve with family because you're worried that all the joy will get sucked out of the Christmas experience. Now, I I know that us preachers have a tendency to use really safe, comfortable examples when we're talking about suffering and pain. And I know that there are tremendously terrible things some of you are facing. Very broken. Very complicated. Earth-shattering things. But, But I do think that whatever we're going through, these three steps can be extraordinarily helpful to help us be set free from our fear. So whatever you have going on, The first thing to do is just acknowledge it. Acknowledge it to yourself. Acknowledge it to other people. Acknowledge it to God. So that He can come and give you that reassurance, that love, and that comfort that you're not alone. That God sees it and cares about it. That's ultimately the proclamation, the good news of Christmas the good news that brings great joy to all people is that God sees your pain and he cares and he loves you and he wants to bring hope and restoration and then seek him on it through prayer, through discernment with trusted people in your life. Discern, God, this seems way too big for me. I'm so afraid of the ramifications for this. But God, what's the the next step? What are you wanting me to do? What are you wanting me to do this week, the next couple weeks? It might be big, it might be small. God, what are you calling me to do? And then surrender to it and actually do it. God, your will be done. I'm your servant. You know, I've been doing this too in in my life, been going through, through a hard time. And, you know, I've wanted to ignore everything you know, the, this holiday season. And God's been working me through this process. He's comforted me, loved me. I've sought after him. I've just prayed. I've talked with uh, some trusted people in my life. And, and for me, what was helpful is instead of ignoring pain and some things that were going on, I, I reached out to, to family just to let them in on it. Um, for me, it was in the form of an email. So I, I sent out and communicated with my family. And I'm so glad that I did, because now I'm not going to stuff all that stuff deep down. And this Christmas will be a time of living in God's light that's shining in the darkness. You know, John 10.10 says, Jesus came to bring us life and life abundantly. Life to the full. And we all want that. Sometimes we don't dare think it's possible. But it doesn't happen by accident. It happens through purposefully working with God, casting our cares onto him, following him as he guides us. You know, I I do hope that your Christmas is merry and bright, but I also understand the reality that for many of you, it might be the opposite of that. And so more than that, I pray that these next two weeks will be meaningful. That you would find and experience the reassurance of God's love and care for you in those difficult, painful dark places, and that you would seek God, and even if it was just a little thing, that you'd say, this is my next step. This is what God's calling me to do in this situation, and that you would surrender to that and do it, so that we could all experience together the true meaning of Christmas, that the light shines in the darkness, and that despite our greatest fears... It cannot be extinguished. Let's pray. Father, you care for us. You love us. Your attention is focused on our pain, our suffering, our grief. God, help us to acknowledge that and bring that to you not to ignore it, not to just put on a facade, but to allow you to love us where we desperately need it. And we pray for your guidance. We ask that you help us know not just what the good options are, but what the God option is, that you help us know what you're calling us to do. Even the next couple of weeks with a specific situation, what, what can we do to bring about hope healing, restoration. God, we do pray that we will truly experience and celebrate that this Christmas is a time where your light shines, even in our darkness. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.